Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill, and football is rolling along. We are through week one of the preseason on to week two, which starts on Thursday. But before we get into what's going to happen, what might happen, we have to get into what did happen. And so we saw all the first-round quarterbacks making their debuts, except for Lamar Jackson. It was his second game. He played in the Hall of Fame game. And Hill... Uh, Let's kick off with this. Who did you watch over the weekend that impressed you from that group? And who did you watch that you said, eh, not quite sure what we have there yet? I was impressed with Baker Mayfield, which I wasn't totally surprised by. But I was also impressed by Tyrod Taylor. So it's a tandem of being pleased with how both Taylor and Mayfield played because they— for the first time, it seems that like forever, the Browns have a couple of quarterbacks that seem like they're going to be really good. And that's against the backdrop of everything we saw in Hard Knocks with Hugh Jackson and how much of a dumpster fire that's going to be, which makes them even more impressive slash even more nervous about what's going to happen with them. Um, your favorite rookie, Josh Allen, also stood out to me because he did look all right. I mean, he's shown some flashes, but also at the same time, he still doesn't look good enough to, to, to jump over Nathan Peterman. And when you're not good enough to jump over Nathan Peterman or A.J. McCarron, maybe you know, that's, not, that's not something that I'm going to be you know, toting if I'm in Bill's Mafia, maybe taking it a little bit easy. But the, the upside there is that he wasn't the total disaster that you know, we thought he was going to be. He wasn't Paxton Lynch, for instance, who's been in the league for a couple of years. So that's a low bar. But to a lot of people, Josh Allen's bar is already low. So the fact that he kind of cleared it even a little bit is a good sign of what might come here if he can keep putting this together. Well, I agree with you on Mayfield. I think that's pretty universal. He went 11 to 20 for a little over 200 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, he, He looked good. He looked good. Now, I'm going to preface all this good and bad by saying I do not put a lot of stock into any of this stuff mm-hmm. because it is the preseason and teams don't game plan. And every time somebody goes berserk over how great some guy looked, look, you've got to factor in that these teams, when the games count and they face some of these young quarterbacks, they're going to throw things at them that they're not going to imagine throwing at them in a preseason game. They're not going to try to take away a certain receiver in a preseason game. They don't care about that. They're not going to show an exotic blitz, or they're not going to try to fool a guy. Teams are working on specific things. That being said, I thought Sam Darnold played well for the Jets. Went 13 of 18, only 96 yards, so his average per attempt was only 5.3, which is menial. 
But I thought he played well. I thought he was in command of the offense. It looked like he was doing some stuff to line the scrimmage. And so I was impressed by that. Josh Rosen only threw 41 yards with the Cardinals, but I mm-hmm. thought he played well. He got hammered. If yeah. you go back and watch all those dropbacks, he got hit time and time and time again, which, by the way, is why Josh Rosen is going to be playing soon because Sam Bradford's going to last about a quarter. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a real concern from the Cardinals. They cannot block. Um, but... I do think Rosen did a nice job of hanging in the pocket, making some throws when he had the opportunity to. The stats show he had a bad game, but the film showed that I thought he played much better than the numbers would indicate. On the flip side of it, look, to me, Lamar Jackson clearly needs work. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody who wants to be realistic knows he needs work. This is not a guy who's going to come in and play right away. He needs to sit for a year, and he's in a good spot for that. He's going to sit for a year behind Joe Flacco, okay? That's what he needs to do. I know Ravens fans probably want to see him immediately, and I don't blame them, but they're better off waiting the year, give it some time. And I thought Allen was up and down. I thought Allen made some really nice throws. I thought he also missed on some easy throws. He also had one play where he scrambled backwards like 20 yards and then threw the ball into the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a rookie mistake. Um, But I thought overall, I liked what I saw the most from Darnold, but again, it's preseason. And by the way, the Jets... Maybe an interesting quarterback situation. Teddy Bridgewater was yeah. legitimately great in that game. 7 of 8, 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Jets may be looking to put Bridgewater on the block here and get something significant for him. Your Buccaneers, by the way, ought to come calling. Oh, yeah. But before I get into that, because I was hoping we were going to talk about that. August eleventh, two 2011, preseason game. This quarterback went 14 for 24, 208 yards and three touchdowns. Do you know who he is? Is it somebody on the Chiefs? No, it's a Cowboys player named Stephen McC- Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before... You need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Oh, so this is what we're... Surprised he wasn't on the cheese. But this is what we're dealing with when we're talking about guys. I mean, I I hate when people say, or the no fun police and say, oh, it's just the preseason, we can't take it seriously. But on, on the same note, you can't take it too seriously because Stephen McGee was a superstar for the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't even, A, had never heard of him before this, and B, have no idea what he's up to today because he's certainly not playing in the NFL. So to your point, I agree with you. All of this is through the lens of let's just maybe take a step back and chill. We're all excited football's back, but Lamar Jackson throwing one touchdown does not mean you need to start putting a bust in Canton. Right. So, But on the Teddy Bridgewater front, you actually wrote about this. I saw this even in the backwoods of Minnesota when I was on vacation. You wrote about how the Bucks should trade for, for Teddy Bridgewater. And I think there's a handful of teams out there. You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about how Tyrod Taylor might be a guy that if he's playing well, the Browns might be able to flip him at the trade deadline since he's not the future there. Bridgewater is obviously not the future in New York. If I'm Denver, am I maybe taking a look at that and saying, hey. We'll get to Denver. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. are taking a look Denver's at maybe taking a good hard look at him. Tampa Bay, I absolutely agree. I was at a Cubs game here in Chicago, and I it was a Cubs-Twins game, and I saw a kid sitting two rows in front of me who had a Buccaneers hat on and a Teddy Bridgewater jersey. And I was, like, point. I was like, hey, this kid, this kid knows what's up. Um, so the Buccaneers with the Jameis Winston thing going on, and you've got no backup plan. I mean, you've got 
fits magic, but let's be that's real. That's not a backup plan. He's a stopgap at best, and that's that's not going to be where your future is. Bridge, I honestly thought, and I was thinking about this before all of the Jameis Winston stuff off the field happened with the Uber driver and then the suspension happened. I was thinking before that, I wonder what would happen if the Buccaneers drafted like Lamar Jackson, just took a swing and said, and put the pressure on Winston to say, you either figure it out now or we're going to go right into the next guy. That's, that seemed like a win-win to me because you've got Winston. He either turns it around and becomes the franchise guy you need him to be or you've got Jackson. And if Winston pans out, you can trade Jackson. If Jackson pans out, then you're obviously not worrying about Winston. And I feel the same way about Bridgewater. Bring Bridgewater in. That's a clear sign to Winston. If he wants to pout and wants to say, oh, you're not believing in me, well, then that's fine. Let him go be somebody else's problem and he can prove himself. Then you've got Bridgewater. Or it lights a fire under him and you've got a similar situation with the Jets have. You've got two good quarterbacks. You can trade one. But right now, Bridgewater, I think, is a name... He's not a Stephen McGee. We're not, we're not overreacting about this. We've seen things he can before. Play. It was a first round so pick. if I'm a team like Denver, Tampa, or anybody else, I don't know if you're thinking of somebody, he's going to be a hot name to watch. Uh, I can think of a few teams I'd at least think about it. Miami. Mm. Uh, Tannehill is basically year to year at yeah. this point. Uh, Andy Dalton and the, the fighting, uh, fighting Bengals <laughs> over there. Jeez. I'd be thinking about that. Hey, look. One thing about Bridgewater, he's a young guy. Okay, mm-hmm. Bridgewater, if he's healthy, if that leg is fully recovered and appears that it is... He's 25. Mm-hmm. Like, there are guys that come into the league that are 25. Okay, ask Brandon Wheaton. So, Bridgewater, to me, I would absolutely take a shot. And if I'm the Buccaneers, I'm calling, I'm offering a mid-round pick. Because the bottom line is with Winston, you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, he, he is always, like, one day away from coming off the rails for good with the way he acts off the field. And on the field... He's turned the ball over way too much. Mm-hmm. And if Bridgewater comes in and lights it up the first three games of the year, I'd tell James to take a seat. Oh, yeah. You know, and then you can, and then hey, look, if it doesn't work out with Cutter and he's gone after this year, but Bridgewater's playing really well, you can cut bait with, with Jameis. Mm-hmm. You can pick up the fifth year option, trade him, move on. You got Bridgewater, who's basically the same age. You move forward with it. Yeah. I, I think for the Buccaneers, it's a good insurance policy. That being said, uh, we'll get to some other games around the league. Look, one thing that I think does bear talking about. And I said this on Twitter for anybody who follows me, but I'll say it again for many of you who I'm sure don't. Um, I do not put much stock into the preseason, okay? I don't, I don't particularly care, as you can hear Nat playing in the background, that's great. Um, I don't particularly care about preseason football in terms of, of individual statistics. I don't care about wins and losses because it just doesn't matter. Teams are working on certain things. It's very much akin to spring training, okay? That being said... There was one game this week that I looked at and said, if I was a member of that fan base, I would be deeply concerned. And that was the Minnesota-Denver game. Mm-hmm. Okay, Denver last year, the Broncos went 5-11. and And I'm not sitting here saying that they had Super Bowl-level talent. But the Broncos have players on that team. Okay, The Broncos have some guys. They should at least be good enough to compete into December for a playoff spot. They went 5-11. and 11. Vance Joseph, first-year head coach, almost got fired, then didn't. Now he's back. They bring in Case Keenum, who John Elway called Keesum when he introduced <laughs> him, which is maybe always uh, what you're a little for. bit of a portent of <laughs> things to come. Okay. They host Minnesota, and they get blown out of the game. They were down 14-0 in the first quarter. They ended up losing 42-28. to um, And again, I don't care about the record, but I care about what it looked like. Case Keenum was 1-4 of four for five yards. All right? They couldn't run the ball at all early in the game. 
One of their touchdowns, I believe it was the first touchdown, might have been the second, came on a on a punt return. Um, they looked lost. They looked flat. They they just did not look good in any way, shape, or form. And I'm more worried about Joseph being the coach and looking. Mm-hmm. He has no clue what's going on more than him about anything else. But if I'm Denver, yeah, I, I'm concerned after that showing. Yeah, it's not just that Paxton Lynch looked bad because he looked worse than bad. Six of 11 for 24 yards and a pick. It's that two different teams of Broncos players looked at the first team and the second team looked atrocious. And that comes down to coaching. That comes down to how well they're prepared. Like I keep thinking, I was watching that game and I was looking at the Broncos beat writers on Twitter and they were melting down and they were like, well, you know, one of these teams looked like they practiced, the other one didn't. And I'm reminded again of your story about the Rams that one year where they're just messing around in practice and it shows. And I feel like that team was not in a good place last year. The defense quit. Rightfully so, because they're what were they playing for? What were they putting their bodies on the line for? Nothing. And now it looks like it's going to be more of the same. And I think a lot of that toxicity transferred over into the offseason when there wasn't a coaching change, when they barely got a better quarterback. Like, no offense against Case Keenum, but we all saw the NFC Championship game when the, we, the other foot dropped, or the other shoe dropped. So to me, the Broncos, they're in deep, deep trouble here. And it doesn't look like it's going to be getting any better anytime soon because it's a systematic failure. All levels of that offense look terrible. There's no relief. Hey, there was no bright spots on that Broncos offense. And when there's no bright spots, I don't care if it's the first preseason game or if it's the second game of the actual season, if there's not one thing you can point to and say, hey, we did that all right, what, what, what's the point? Like, that's that's going to be a tough, tough team to watch this year. Look, I, you know, I, I know... Because God knows it happens all the time on social media. You know, I never hide the fact that I grew up a Chiefs fan, so a lot of mm-hmm. people accuse me. Oh, you, you know, you're just being a homer. You're hating on the Broncos. So I'm not hating on Denver. I'm really not. Like I, absolutely going into this year, was ready to pick them to at least, if nothing else, be a 500 team, maybe yeah. even make it the playoffs. Like I have no idea. I could even see Denver being better than Kansas City because I have no idea what, what Mahomes is going to be and how that defense is going to look. But here's the problem I have. Okay. And this is, frankly, the AFC West. I think the AFC West would be the most competitive vision in the NFL. I can make a case for all four of those teams. I've got to see it out of Oakland, but I could make at least a case that all four of those teams are intriguing. The problem I have with Denver above all those other teams, now John Gruden has been in the league for 10 years. God knows what he's going to do. I hate what he's done with the personnel. Mm-hmm. See if it works out. Um, but John Gruden has credentials, and he's got a ring. Okay, Anthony Lynn last year, I got to see it again, but I thought he got better as the year went on. They ended up finishing 9-7, almost made the plus. Vance Joseph seems like a really nice guy. He also seems like he was just lost. There were games watching them where it was just painful to watch some of the decisions he made. And you looked at that game in Denver on, I believe it was Saturday night. Mm -hmm. They just looked lost. They looked like they had no clue how to execute basic fundamental plays and look, this is not going to be easy for Denver. Denver it plays in a good division. Denver plays the NFC West this year. Okay, like if Denver comes out of the gates playing crappy football, they're going to get hammered. Okay, this isn't a year for them to come out. And don't forget, by the way, they started two and zero last year, finished three and eleven. Okay, Denver's got to do better than this. At least just look competent. I don't care if you lose the game, but execute what you're trying to execute. And that leads me into look, Paxton Lynch. I'm, I'm one who normally says, give these kids a couple years, play it out. He's had two years. This is the beginning of his third year. It, it is over. Okay? I don't need to see Paxton Lynch again ever to know that he should never start another NFL game. 
He looks ill-equipped. He looks ill-prepared. He can never get past his first read. He, he gets sped up too quickly by the other defense. He's inaccurate. Okay, in my Stack in the Box column on Monday morning, I wrote uh, a little blurb about Lynch and the fact that I think it's time for John Elway and Vance Joseph company to move on. Here's a stat that tells you all you need to know about Paxton Lynch. Since 1983, including the famed 1983 quarterback class, there have been 78 quarterbacks taken in the... Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has get a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. First round of the NFL draft, excluding this past year. The only quarterbacks out of those 78 that have started four or less games in their NFL careers are Jim Druckenmiller. I guarantee you couldn't even name <laughs> what team that guy was on. Okay? Oh, man. Jim Druckenmiller and Paxton Lynch. He, and, and by the way, Druckenmiller, and this will give away who he played for, was behind Steve Young his whole career. I was going to say 40. That sounds like a 49ers pick. That's a Mariucci pick. Pac- <laughs> oh, Paxton Lynch was behind Trevor Simeon for two years and couldn't win the job. I mean, and nothing, listen, nothing against Trevor Simeon, okay? Kid came in, did the best he could, but Trevor Simeon's not an NFL quarterback at the starting level. Mm-mm. And Lynch was a first-round pick. Even if you're not as good as a starter, if you're even in the ballpark, teams just to say face will play you. And they said, nah, that's okay. And then last year, even when they benched Trevor Simeon, he said, ah, we'll bring in Brock Osweiler. <laughs> yeah. Okay? That's all. It is over with Paxton. I'm not a big Chad Kelly believer or anything like that, but my God, at this point, I'd play Kelly before I played, played Lynch in the game. I know what Lynch is. So if I'm the Broncos, yeah, I'm concerned. And like their preseason schedule, they play the Bears next, get them at home on the 18th. I don't, again, I don't care if they win the game. They have to look better than what they looked like in their debut because that was ugly in all caps kyle slaughter for the vikings had a 123 passer rating paxton lynch had a passer rating of 22.2 and to your point about chad kelly 104.7 by the way i'd like to point out kyle slaughter uh he was a broncos property a year ago and the vikings overpaid and and took him from Denver, because Denver wants to keep Paxton Lynch. Yep, and Simeon, too. Trevor Simeon played, and he had a better night than any of those Broncos quarterbacks. Buck 65, two touchdowns. So, and I, I Which actually... Which begs a question, too, not to interrupt you, but coaching. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay? Like, yep. And, and that leads to the last thing, and I'll, I'll stop railing against Denver here, but Case Keenum was never any good under Jeff Fisher, Mm-mm. ever. He goes to Minnesota. They have a really good team around him. Pat Shermer, who's now the head coach over at the Giants, who's the offensive coordinator. They have Mike Zimmer, who I think we both agree is a very good head coach. Mm -hmm. They executed at an extremely high level. And if you look at Keenum last year, he didn't throw for any crazy amount of yards, but he did his job. He did a nice job. Mm -hmm. Got them to the NFC title game. Okay, things fell off there, but he got them there. Keenum doesn't have Zimmer there this year. He doesn't have Pat Shermer. Okay. I am very concerned for Keenum. He doesn't have a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. They don't have a running game that you know what they have. We'll see if Royce Freeman, third-round pick out of Oregon, if he can step up for them, but that's a question mark at this point. Okay? He doesn't have the infrastructure he had in Minnesota. So does he revert back to what he was like under Jeff Fisher? If he does, Denver's going 5-11 and again. Oh, yeah. 
Um, now, I think, again, I think that roster's got some talent to it. But, boy, I'll tell you, out of all the teams, that game, for a team that I have any kind of expectation of, gave me pause. Not because of the score, but because of the way they looked executing as a team. They just mm-hmm. looked sloppy, ill-prepared. It was ugly. Uh, Denver's got a lot of work to do. I want to talk about the joint practices that are going to be going on next week between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their future head coach, Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator <laughs> you should be getting for the Tennessee Titans. At this point of his <laughs> because I watched the Titans game, specifically because I am apparently the world's biggest Matt LaFleur stan. And lo and behold, Marcus Mariota looked really good in the, in the very limited time that we got to see him. You know, the stats weren't really anything that you're going to point at, but he was very efficient, and the offense looked like it flowed really well, which is something we didn't see last year with Malarkey. One thing that we kept going back to when we were talking about Mariota is he's running too much. He needs to complete more of his passes. He needs to limit his mistakes. And it looks like he actually has the bandwidth with uh, LaFleur to get that done. Now, again, one preseason game, you barely saw him. It was against the Packers who were resting, I think, like seven or eight of their starters. So let's you know take it with a giant grain of salt. But to see LaFleur and Mariota, some the two entities that I expected when they came together would work out very well. So far, the very light tests that we've seen seem to go well. And so we'll see if that can keep going here as we move forward. That's something that Titans fans should be really glued to is the development of Mariota, which is obviously important. But the fact that it looked so well or it looked to be working so well so early here in the process, first-year offensive coordinator here in Tennessee, Mariota's learning his system, learning everything that he has to teach. It looks like LaFleur has another winner, and it looks like Mariota might finally, finally take that next step. You know, Winston's no longer, Jameis Winston's no longer comparable to him. They're in two different stratospheres at this point. I'm really excited about what this season holds for Mariota based on this very small sample size that we saw in this first preseason game from him. Yeah, look, I, uh, I am excited about the Titans this year. Mm-hmm. I think they made a really aggressive move, and I applaud them for it. Last year, they go to the playoffs, okay, they went 9-7. and seven. They beat the Chiefs in the wild card game, then they went up into New England and they got beat. Mm-hmm. And I think most people would have said, okay, look, for the Titans, that's a good start. You know what? You get in, you, you have that big comeback at Arrowhead, you win the game, and okay, you lost to New England. Big deal. Who doesn't, right? I give them credit for saying, no, look, we expect better from this team. We think we're better than this. Mike Malarkey and that staff is holding us back. Mm-hmm. We're going to go out and we're going to fire a guy who got us to the divisional round and we're going to replace him with a first-time head coach in Mike Vrabel. And I think, look, you could say, well, that's dangerous. It's reckless. I love it. Mm-hmm. The Titans are being aggressive. They feel their roster is better than what was put out last year. I would agree with them. I thought they stunk in the regular season, by and large. They got in. Give them credit. They came back in Kansas City. But I thought the regular season, they were incredibly underwhelming. They go out this offseason. They redo the whole coaching staff. Obviously, if you listen to us every week, you know the Matt LaFleur is Josh Hill's uh, number one. You got it right. And, and so... <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and I, I'm with you. I think LaFleur is going to be a really good uh, addition for that team. They'll be more interesting offensively. And I expect to see Mario to have a much better season. Question I have to Titans is, you add Malcolm Butler, mm-hmm. I like it. You add Deion Lewis, I like it. That wide receiving core is a question mark. Now, yeah. Corey Davis was the fifth overall pick a year ago. He had a lot of injuries with the hamstring. He's back healthy this year. I need to see that group get the job done. Mm-hmm. If they can produce, I think the Titans have a shot to win that division. 
If they can't produce, I think the Titans are still intriguing because I think they have a really good secondary. And I think that the, the front seven is good enough. Jarrell Casey's one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, but I think they're capped to some extent if those receivers can't do anything. So the Titans are, though, certainly a team to watch in a division where there's a lot of question marks. Houston's coming off a year where they were injury marred. They got a lot of guys coming back. How healthy are they? The Colts have Andrew Luck back. Mm -hmm. The Jaguars, look, everything went right for Jacksonville last year, and they won 10 games. Can Jacksonville get better and win another 10, 11 games? Because I don't think everything breaks right for them this time around. We'll see. But that division, a lot of questions, but Tennessee's right in the mix. Yeah, we were just talking about teams that should maybe go after Teddy Bridgewater, Jacksonville. Like, if you want to get a contingency plan for Blake Bortles, one that you'll 99.9% need, Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad option. You know, you have that defense. Could you imagine last year? Like, let's obviously it's it's hard to, to adequate because of the the leg injury, so we have no idea what Teddy Bridgewater would have looked like. But let's say we have Teddy Bridgewater as he is now last year with that Jaguars team, with that defense. You don't have to worry about Blake Bortles. I think that Bills playoff game goes differently. I think some of those games where they lost down the stretch of the season go differently, and I definitely think that the AFC Championship game goes a different way if they have Bridgewater. Which is a it's, it's a broken refrain at this point. The Jaguars need a quarterback. They can't have Blake Bortles. So to your point about everything breaking right for Jacksonville last year, Tennessee is coming. Houston's the most improved team without really having to sign any free agents. I mean, they get Honey Badger, but they're getting Watt back. They're getting Merciless back. They're getting Watson back. A lot, a lot coming back. So I don't want to say that the Jaguars are going to complete. The bottom's going to fall out, but we do this every single year not you and I but I mean the general football watching public does this every single year here are the teams that made the playoffs last year they're obviously going to do the same thing this year so you know that's why the Packers and the Patriots are always playing each other in the Super Bowl everybody's on the Jaguars oh you know their defense was great last year we're not even going to consider that they lost one of their key cornerbacks to the Texans so I don't know you know Miles Jack left with that injury in the AFC Championship game. It ended up not being as serious as we thought it was, but now you've got two players are suspended, Jalen Ramsey being one of them, who is arguably your best player on defense and is going to be the face of the franchise. I I saw that news about the suspension, and it reminded me of that Jaguars-49ers game, where the Jaguars, late in the season, their defense is great. They get behind, and they're starting to fight with each other on the sidelines. They're losing focus in the game, and Jimmy Garoppolo just eats them alive. If that happens this season, which it already looks like it's starting to happen, that's going to be a problem. And it's those unseen things like that that are typically the reasons teams like this get upended. It's not Blake Bortles is terrible. We all know he's terrible. It's what is wrong inside of that organization where these guys are fighting. And it could ultimately end with they know that they're playing with Blake Bortles given the lead. But the, those are things to watch when you think about the Jaguars slipping this year, especially when that division got a lot better. Don't invest a whole lot of stock in them this year. The, the defense will be good. I just don't know if you're going to have the same result. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. Um, and I know Duval County Duval County comes after me like it's uh, <laughs> you know, a Tuesday afternoon at the park. But that being said, look, I, I agree. Look, first of all, Bortles was not even going to last year. Mm-mm. Okay, and they won in spite of him. I just wonder when when a team has an incredible amount of health and the Jaguars last year nobody on that defense got hurt and yeah they had mm-hmm. Allen Robinson go out week one I understand that and Fournette missed a few games but defensively nobody got hurt 
you can't tell me that this year nobody's going to get hurt. And you right. also can't tell me that Calais Campbell is going to play like a first-team All-Pro again after he didn't do it his entire career. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's not J.J. Watt, Mm-mm. okay? I don't know if Marcel Darius having him in the locker room is the greatest thing for 16 games. We're going to find out, okay? There's a lot of things that go into this. You know, Barry Church isn't a spring chicken. And I like Jacksonville's personnel, don't get me wrong, but I'm concerned about the offense. I need to see Doug Marone continue to do it because I, I think Doug Marone is a good coach, but I don't know that he's the kind of coach you're going to consistently go to the AC title game with. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, look, if you want to really get to the brass tacks of it, last year in the division, Jacksonville played Andrew Luck. Excuse me. They played without Andrew Luck twice and they played the Colts. Right, that's what I meant to say. They they played without Andrew Luck twice. Mm -hmm. So they saw Jacoby Brissett in those games. Against Houston, they saw Tom Savage and TJ Yates. All right? Oh, God. Against Tennessee, they saw Mariota twice. Well, they lost to Mariota twice. Mm They went 4-0 on those other games. Well, I got news. If Luck plays in those two games, and if Watson plays in those two games, they're not going 4-0. Mm-hmm. They're maybe going to split them. So, I mean, for my money, look, Jacksonville also this year not playing a last-place schedule, playing nope. a first-place schedule. They got to play Pittsburgh again. I know they beat them twice last year, but it's still a tough game. They got to play New England. They've got to go to Arrowhead. Those are going to be hard games. Those are going to be games. And by the way, I look forward to week five and the Chiefs play Jacksonville and you have Hill and Watkins outside mm-hmm. against Ramsey and Boye. You've got Kelsey going up the middle. I mean, that is going to be that is going to be incredible to watch Mahomes and those weapons go against that defense. So that that'll be a fun matchup. But uh, long story short, I think the Titans are in the mix of the division. I think the Texans are in the mix. I, I think Jacksonville's in the mix. I, I just I have a lot of fear with their offense. I don't think the Colts are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just the, the roster is not good. But that leads us to one thing we got to talk about. Andrew Luck comes back and plays for the first time since Week 17 of the 2016 season, yeah. and he played pretty well. He played the first quarter against Seattle. He stayed upright. His arm didn't fall off. Those are all positives. Uh, if Andrew Luck stays healthy for, throughout this year, how big of a deal is that in terms of the big picture in the AFC South and? How big is it just in general for the Colts to know that their superstar quarterback isn't damaged goods permanently? I think it says a lot that Luck was able to come back and not look terrible, which I don't. I wasn't too terribly surprised by. It wasn't like you know he was a bum before and he's trying to come back from that kind of adversity. He was a you know Pro Bowl quarterback who was a game away from playing in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. He's a he's a talent. So to me, this says. This is more of a, a bright, shining light at the end of the tunnel for Colts fans who have had to watch this disaster of a team try to limp through the, the Andrew Luck era, which is unfortunate because remember when he was drafted, it was we were all upset at Colts fans because we're like, I can't believe that they're going to seamlessly transition from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, who was supposed to, he was like this LeBron James type of talent, the suck for luck. Everybody was tanking for him. You know, you get this guy, your fortune's going to turn. The Colts got him. Their fortunes didn't turn. And there's a lot of different factors that go into that from Chuck Pagano not being able to coach as well as we thought he was going to coach, from Jim Ursay being the owner of the team, which isn't going to change anytime soon. And it's kind of just evolved from there. They didn't, they were no, they had Grigson in the front office who wasn't able to put together a good team, was making the wrong draft picks. So at a time when it looked like the Colts were just going to luck, you know, no pun intended, but that was the thing. They were going to luck into this new era where it seamlessly don't skip a beat, 
everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them, up to and including his arm basically falling off at the shoulder. So it's, it's hopeful to me. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. You know me, I'm a huge football fan, but it can be stressful for us super fans. So Progressive is going to help take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how your team threw the wrong ball on the wrong net, just think about how Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Well, hope this distraction about Progressive's Home Court Explorer was helpful. It sure helped me from stressing about my team for a bit. Anyway, go sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. From a football fan standpoint, to say, hey, Andrew Luck is back, there's still hope that this story isn't going to end with him being this kind of bust that we look back in 10, 15 years and go, remember when he was going to be a thing and then he never was? So to me, there's that kind of hope there. The flip side of that is the Colts really don't have any direction. You know, they were going to get Josh McDaniels and he pulls out. Frank Reich, is he really going to be the head coach of the future? Like, it's good. I'm not saying that he's not going to. I'm not implying that he's some kind of stopgap head coach. This could end up they win the division, go to the divisional round, maybe lose to New England or somebody, maybe Kansas City. And, yeah, right. and uh, or maybe they play Kansas City and they beat him and everybody's like, Frank Reich's the guy. I mean, there's, there's a. There's I don't a... ever want to talk about the Colts and Chiefs in a playoff game <laughs> ever, okay? Because I've gone through four of those games. And while the Chiefs, first of all, lost all four of them, and three of them have just been the most go- Listen, I don't care. I'll, I'll get off in this tangent. <laughs> okay. As a Chiefs fan, let me just run through a little bit of pain that I've gone through in my life. Okay. I was born in 1988. So seven years old and they played them in 95. They played them in the divisional round for anybody who's not familiar with this. The Chiefs were 13 and three. The Colts, I believe that you were nine and seven. Okay. They got in the playoffs. They were terrible. Marshall Falk didn't even play in the game. The Chiefs were double-digit favorites, and Steve Bono was the quarterback. He proceeded to go out and throw either three or four picks. Can't remember. I know it was at least three. Uh, The Chiefs were down 10-7 in the game. It was like one or two degrees in Arrowhead, and Lynn Elliott missed three field goals, two of which were point-blank chip shots to send the Chiefs home. Okay. And then, almost 20 years later, I'll just skip over to the other losses, one of which it was the only NFL playoff game in history, not to include a punt that the Chiefs somehow found a way to lose that game. And then, in 2013, the Chiefs had a 38-10 lead halfway through the third quarter and managed to lose that game. Okay? So, it will be too, it'll not be too <laughs> soon when the Chiefs never play them ever again in the, for the rest of my life in a playoff game. Okay? And by the way, if they do, the Chiefs will absolutely find a way to blow the game. There you go. That's Frank Reich's blueprint to becoming lifetime head coach of the Colts. <laughs> Just play the Chiefs. But that's, that's to the point of saying there are scenarios in which Reich is able to end up on the right side of this thing where it's, he wasn't a rushed hire. This turns out well. He's able to develop Andrew Luck. Because remember, he was a quarterback in the NFL, and he's coming from the pedigree of just developing uh, Carson Wentz and being a part of Nick Foles becoming Super Bowl MVP. So let's not pretend like this is something where it's going to end poorly by default. I'm not hopeful, but the fact that Andrew Luck is back and this, after years and years and years of everything looking like it was going to line up and play out a certain way and going the opposite way, I think maybe this will be the course correction where everything is lined up to go the way we think it's going to go. And this is where the Colts maybe turn it around and all of a sudden reverse their fortunes. But that's uh, wishful look, thinking. It, it's, it's a long road back for the Colts. I like the hire of Wright. I, mm-hmm. I, I, frankly, I'll be honest. I think they got a better hire in him than they would have in McDaniels. Yeah. 
Uh, I think McDaniel's just a good offensive mind, but I, I don't know. He the, the man strikes no confidence in me as a head coach for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I think Wright is a is a bright mind. He did a very good job as the offensive coordinator with the Chargers, and he was there. He did a nice job with the Eagles. I think he's earned the stripes. Uh, and I think the offense, if Luck is healthy, Marlon Mack's an interesting running back, although he's hurt right now. Hopefully get him back uh, off a bulky hamstring for the season opener against the Bengals. T.Y. Hilton is one of the better receivers in the league. The, the mm-hmm. problem for the Colts is the offensive line's not good. Okay, Quentin Nelson, they drafted him in the first round. He looks like he's going to be the part that really starts to turn that group around. But Anthony Costanzo's hurt. Jack Mehort retired. They just have a lot of issues up front, and that's the biggest concern I have is a luck comes back and he's healthy, but he doesn't last a month because mm-hmm. he just gets pounded. And the defense is not good. The defense has got a long way to go. So I think the Colts are going to probably finish last in that division. But if Luck's back and he's healthy and he plays 16 games and it looks great, hey, if you're a Colts fan, it's a short-term sacrifice for what could be a long-term payoff with your franchise quarterback back on the beam, so to speak. Yeah, so... I just want to point this out, too, about the uh, Titans, because I guess I am now a uh, Matt LaFleur stan. Uh, so the year that the, the Falcons go to the quarterback, so your point about the, the Titans wide receivers. The year that the Falcons go to the, quarter, or to the Super Bowl, Matt LaFleur is the offensive coordinator, or the quarterback's coach, not the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach of the Falcons with Matt Ryan. And he's working with Kyle Shanahan, and between the two of them, they're working with Julio Jones. All right, that's fine. Mohamed Sanu. Taylor Gabriel, Justin Hardy, Aldrick Robinson. This team was a lights-out offense with those wide receivers. So I am dying on the hill that those wide receivers are going to be just fine with Matt LaFleur. But that's my Matt LaFleur uh, standing of the week. That should be a sponsored topic. Yeah, Matt LaFleur. <laughs> yes. I, I, I am curious because you mentioned a lot of guys who are nobodies. You also mentioned Toledo Jones. That's true. That's the big... That man takes away a lot of coverage from everybody else. Yep, and same thing last year with with the Rams because you've got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Sammy Watkins, Farrow Cooper. That maybe is more of what we're talking about here with the Titans. But again, you always in both of those years, you got one guy who's taking coverage away. You got a Watkins, you got a, yeah. you got a Jones, right? Can that, he develop can that Corey guy? Can Corey Davis be that guy? Exactly. Like, and, that's the I question with that. Yeah. But, uh, listen, yeah. It's interesting. Let's look ahead now, you know, briefly before we wrap up. Let's look ahead to week two of the preseason, okay? Like I said, it begins on Thursday. Um, and so you're going to have another full slate of games. There's three games on Thursday night, a Super Bowl rematch, Philly at New England. The stake's not quite as high for this one. Um, Pittsburgh and Green Bay, Jets and Washington, and then Friday you got five games, Saturday you got seven, and on a Monday night, Baltimore and Indianapolis. So, out of week two, uh, I will say that one of the things that stands out to me, Buffalo or Cleveland, and you say, oh my God, why? Well, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. both going to be in that game. So I find that intriguing. Uh, I want to see how that pans out. I also want to see Seattle is at the Chargers on Saturday night on the NFL Network. You can watch it live. And I'm very curious to see if Russell Wilson can survive that game. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Chicago's at Denver Saturday night. We talked a lot about yeah. Denver. Chicago looked almost every bit as atrocious offensively, and they're a loss to the, to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So who's going to show me something in that game? Everybody's talking about the Bears. They're, they're a sleeper team. I don't even know if you can qualify them as a sleeper anymore because it feels like everybody talks about them. But what are the Bears going to get me? Because Trubisky was awful. Their offensive line was terrible. You know both those teams are getting chewed out all week long. Mm-hmm. 
which one of them is going to show up and give me a little something? Are the Bears going to bounce back? Are the Broncos going to bounce back? Are both teams going to look a lot better? That I want to see. Uh, so a, a lot to parse there, but those are a couple of the games I'm looking at that I'm intrigued by. Yeah, the Jets and the Redskins are an interesting game to me just because I feel like those two quarterback situations are going to go in opposite directions. You've got Darnold, who every, we talked about at the top of the show and everybody's waxing poetic about because he looks good, and that's a very different change from what we've seen from the Jets over the years. And then you got on the other side, the Redskins, where Alex Smith seems to always be trapped in these situations where he's got to dig teams out of a hole. And not to say that he's not a good quarterback, but he's an average to above average quarterback who has been on a couple of really good teams and good systems. That uh, 49ers team that that went to the Super Bowl, he was a part of that for a little while. Uh, the Obviously the Chiefs last year, he was a part of that. And now he's with the Redskins, and he was supposed to be the guy that you know Jay Gruden's able to work with. He finally might be a franchise guy, which if we're talking broken record statements. The Redskins and a franchise quarterback is the most broken record. Uh, and then they lose much. They lose Darius Geis. They lose a couple of guys to injury. I just I have a hard time believing that the Redskins are going to have a good season this year, especially in the NFC East when you've got the Giants. They're going to be better. The Eagles coming off that Super Bowl. So to me. I want to see how the Redskins bounce back from that. Again, it's the second preseason game. You can't really put a whole lot of stock into it, but you're going to be able to tell from the way that guys carry themselves how much they believe that team is going to be able to move forward. And you can tell that in the second preseason game by how well they prepare, look at Denver, by how they're acting on the sidelines, acting with each other, Jacksonville. So there's, there's, there's nuances you can look at in these games and kind of read the tea leaves a little bit and see where these teams might be going this year. And on the flip side of that, I think getting another dose of Darnold is going to be really helpful. And again, a dose of Bridgewater, seeing these Jets quarterbacks, because we talked about them last year, the Jets weren't going to go anywhere. They're in the wild card hunt. Todd Bowles is looking like the coach of the year for a little while. Now it's the kind of same thing again. They're not going to go anywhere this year, but they're intriguing because they have three really good quarterbacks. And the most interesting position in the NFL, hands down, is quarterback. When you've got three of those guys and you can start trading some of them away, getting a future... That's going to be big, and I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the Jets for uh, that very reason. Well, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up my segment with this. You just brought up the Jets, and it's a good point. <clears throat> Last year, when we talked in the preseason leading up to the regular season, we talked about, okay, which teams might make noise, which mm-hmm. teams are kind of afterthoughts, and which teams are just in contention for the number one overall pick. Everybody and their mother – so, well, the Jets and the Bills, those are the two worst teams. The Bills are tanking. The Jets are tanking. The Jets may not win a single game. New England's going to win yep. at least 15, if not 16. And then week one rolls around, and the Jets are in the playoff race till December. Yep. The Bills make the playoffs for the first time in almost two decades. And New England comes out and has a 35-minute Super Bowl trophy un- unveiling and then just gets pantsed on national television. And believe me, nobody was more shocked than <laughs> yeah. me. Okay? If I remember right, you actually picked the Chiefs to win I did. Game. I was the only one. And I— I, I almost like mocked you, and I was like, "There's no chance." The Chiefs proceeded to roll out 540 yards worth of offense. Oh yeah, the Tyreek Hill peace sign. Yeah, Ty, was, that was Tyreek Hill's big Kareem, game. That was a Kareem Hunt coming oh, out. Oh, Kareem Hunt, that's right. He went insane yeah. for like 260 yards. But look, the bottom line is, we will you know sit here and go through film and look at everything and, and be as plugged in as possible, mm-hmm. but. Football, 16 games. Yeah. The sample size is so small. Injuries are such a big factor in the NFL. If you stay healthy, you're probably going to make the playoffs if you have any level of talent. And so, look, when you watch the preseason, 
keep in mind that if your team stays healthy, you won that game. Yep. Okay? Now, there's certain levels of, of panic that should be applied. I think certain teams, if they don't look good, it's not that big of a deal. Philadelphia didn't look that good in the week. It doesn't matter. The, the, you know, Philadelphia is a Super Bowl champion trying to figure out little things. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Chiefs and the Texans, I watched, obviously, I watched that game. Um, I watched the film on, on all the games, but I, I watched that one live. And Mahomes and Watson, neither one of them did anything special. It was very vanilla and rudimentary, and it was a 17-10 game. It was ugly, and Houston won. But I don't think you take anything out of that game. Both teams executed what they needed to execute, and it was pretty obvious they were both trying some things out. Now, again, we talked about it. If I'm Denver, I'm worried. I'm worried not because of the score, not even really because of the stats. I'm worried because it was sloppy and it looked awful. They couldn't mm-hmm. make a tackle. They looked disjointed. That worries me because that comes down to coaching. Yeah. And if you can't coach in the NFL, you're done. Okay? I'm looking forward this week to the games we talked about. I'm looking forward to Hard Knocks Tuesday on HBO <laughs> oh, because yeah. that's always hilarious. Hugh Jackson worries me to no end, but we'll see how that plays out. And before we go, a quick word fanatics okay the season is underway now go mm-hmm. get your gear don't be the person who shows up at the party wearing a blank t-shirt okay go out get a team t-shirt go out and get a hat get a jersey get a watch get some socks whatever you got to do go out and get some fan gear at fanatics and you can get it at fansided.fanatics.com they're a great sponsor they also have all the best stuff and if you put in the code fansided you get 20 percent off the shipping so please Go there, check them out. You won't be disappointed. Um, and really, with, without gear for, for your team, what kind of fan are you? Right. You're, you're, a, you're almost a man on an island. It's right? true. So check them out for sure. Uh, and hell, I'll turn to you. Any, uh, any parting shots before we head out? Well, to your point about the preseason, some trivia, because you're basically the rain man savant of NFL being encyclopedic knowledge in the last 40 years since 1978 there has been three teams that have gone undefeated in the super in the uh preseason and gone on to win the super bowl so in 40 years only three teams have gone undefeated in the preseason and then ended up winning the super bowl to show you how meaningless your record in the preseason is but can you name those three teams i think the pats did it one year right they did that's one of them 2003 um Oh. That was the last time it's been done, actually. It was in 2000, the 2003 Patriots. Oh, my God. Uh, in, in, since when did you Since say? 1978. Oh, because I knew the, I actually knew the Steelers did it in 74. But yeah. Okay, that doesn't help. <laughs> um, I, will, I will just go out on a limb because I do not know. And I will say the Niners did one year in the 80s? No. No, okay. Uh, I'll take one more stab at it. Uh, the Cowboys in the 90s? No, it was the 1990 New York Giants and then the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Wouldn't have got that. There you go. And Wouldn't the Ravens and the Giants played in that 2000 Super Bowl. So there you go. Well, yeah. Yeah, look at that. Okay, yeah. Well, hey, it does go to show. Oh, it, this is, I think, the ultimate set. The year the Lions went on 16, 4 and on the preseason. <laughs> yes. And you might look at <laughs> I think the Browns last year went four and on the preseason. Yeah, Did they know. not? They might have. Uh, let me look that up real quick. I, I think that the Browns did go uh, four and up. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check right here. Let's see about those preseason wins don't count because then you could say that they actually won some games. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's not that's, that's the way. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. It goes, but I am, I am almost positive 
that the Browns went 4-0 and Deshaun Kaiser looked like the second coming and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, 4-0. Wow. 4-0. Yep. Beat New Orleans, beat the Giants, beat your Bucks, beat the And this is the, the kicker to all this. <laughs> yes. the, here, are the, here are the point totals the Browns gave up in those games. 14-6-9-0. They were <sighs> the 85 Bears <laughs> oh, in preseason, okay? Wow. And then proceeded to go out and get absolutely walloped and go on 16. So... When you look at your team and you're worried that they're 0-2 in the preseason or they're 1-3 and what's going on, remember that. The two teams that have gone on 16 in NFL history, both times, both times undefeated in the preseason. And I'm pretty sure the year that the Pats went 16-0, pretty sure that that was a year that they went 0-4 in the preseason. I think so, yeah. So, again, look, not trying to say that you can't clean anything, but it, it re- they went 2-2. They went 2-2. But it really, genuinely doesn't matter what your team's record is. Look to stay healthy. Look for execution. You have those things. You ought to be pretty happy. Okay? So, with that being said, if you haven't already, please go to iTunes and subscribe to Stacking the Box. You'll get an automatic download on all of your Apple devices. We're here every Monday. We'll go for close to an hour, if not an hour, especially as the regular season gets rolling. We'll be here for all you can handle and then some. Also, on Tuesdays, Josh and I are part of the Stack the Box video show, uh, the Facebook live show on the fan-sided Facebook page. That goes on 1230 Eastern every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, So go ahead and follow the fan-sided Facebook page. You'll get a notification when we're going live. Uh, we'll be joined by Mark Carmen, who's hosting the show, and Ashley Young, who's a fine addition uh, to the fan-sided family. And that show will run about a half hour. And you can comment. You can comment in real time. We'll, we'll talk to you, answer some questions if we can. Uh, so please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes and follow the fan-sided Facebook page. And, of course, interact with Josh and I on Twitter. We're always happy to, uh, to chat. So for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you for listening and enjoy week two of the preseason, the NFL rocking and rolling. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.